Christmas. I'm Brian. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church. Uh, and again, I want to say uh, welcome. It's good to have you here. Shortly after Thanksgiving, um, we started seeing lights popping up uh, around the community, uh, around Bloomington, around Normal, uh, but then we were even seeing them around the world, uh, places like Germany, where you would expect them, places like uh, Riyadh, that, that's Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, uh, and Tokyo, Japan. And the question I've been asking over the past several weeks is, what's going on with all the lights? Uh, even in non-Christian countries around the world, people are lighting up these lights. Uh, you know, there's something about uh, the Christmas lights that just invite us. The days get darker and shorter. We just, well, the lights, they just make us feel better, and they just encourage us a little bit. And I think this is kind of interesting, this whole idea, how much Christmas lights have been a part of our culture, our society, and our world. Because, frankly, uh, Christmas lights have only been around for about 142 years uh, on Christmas trees in 1879. Thomas Edison uh, was the inventor, of course, of light bulb. That's just 142 years ago. For most of human history, people have not been uh, putting up lights everywhere uh, all around the world. Well, as you might imagine, uh, shortly after Edison invented the light bulb, as we know it, uh, it was just three years later uh, that his business partner, a guy by the name of Edward Johnson, said, hey, we could make money off of this thing. And so uh, around Christmas time, uh, they had a Christmas tree. And in those days, people would normally put candles on the Christmas tree. And this is the very first Christmas tree with lights on it. Pretty exciting, huh? Well, there was a, a reporter there um, out in New Jersey, uh, a guy um, with the Detroit Press, and this is what he wrote. He says, it was brilliantly lighted with 80 lights and all encased in dainty glass eggs. Remember, nobody's ever seen lights on a Christmas tree before. And equally divided between them, white, red, and blue. And this is what I love. One can hardly imagine Anything prettier. I mean, these Christmas lights, when they first started popping up, you know, and of course people didn't have, you know, what we've got today. People just had to read about this and go, oh, yeah, I guess there was a Christmas tree uh, with uh, some lights on it, some lights in these little egg-shaped things. Well, about 10 years later, uh, Grover Cleveland, President Grover Cleveland, uh, put lights there at the uh, White House, uh, the very first Christmas tree with lights at the White House uh, under uh, Grover Cleveland. And of course, the people in New York said, well, we can do better than that. And so a few years later, uh, in Rockefeller Center, um, in Times Square, they said, well, let's put up a really big Christmas tree, uh, and we're going to put some lights on it. And... As they say, the rest is history, a little bit of history of Christmas tree lights. They haven't been around that long, um, and yet we've become so familiar with them. A couple of years ago, I ran across an article in Smithsonian Magazine that said every year, about 150 million strings of Christmas lights are purchased. 
Think about that, 150 million strings of Christmas lights. That's in addition to all the Christmas lights that you untangle every year out of your basement. Those are just the new ones that are purchased. About 80 million houses every year in the United States put up some kind of Christmas lights, and they take up about 6% of the electricity grid. So we're spending a lot of time, a lot of focus, and a lot of money on Christmas lights. Something else I found interesting uh, is that between 2019 and 2020, uh, you might not be surprised, the sale of Christmas lights actually went up by 194%. They just shot through the roof. I mean, what else were we going to do in 2020, right? It was as, almost as if the world had become such a dark place that we just kind of took matters into our own hands. And we said, you know what, we want to make the world a little bit brighter because 2020 was a pretty dark year, right? And we were so hopeful that 2021 was going to be so much brighter. Not so much, right? 2021 has been every bit as dark. And retailers, they were really excited about 2021 because they thought to themselves, well, if, you know, uh, the sales were up 194% uh, in 2020 over 2019. What's 2021 going to be like? And then 2021 came and there are... Millions and millions of strings of Christmas lights somewhere off the coast of California, right? You'll get a good deal next July when those finally arrive at your local uh, home store. The world is a dark place. The world has always been a dark place. And so I chose this, this idea of Christmas lights for Advent and Christmas this year really just kind of focus in on the light. There's something about the Christmas lights that give us so much hope. Christmas lights invite us to hope again because there's so much darkness in the world. You know, we open our news feeds and we see all the bad news. We read about all the misinformation, all the too much information on our phones, our devices, on the television screens. We've got bad news on the streets. Crime is way up across our nation. We, we talk about this, this idea of, of evolution. Anybody who believes in the, the concept of evolution, that human beings are getting better and better, is not paying attention to the news, right? Things are actually getting worse in the world. They're getting worse in our own lives. We read about anxiety has tripled the past year and a half. Depression has quadrupled among Americans. If you want to get in to see a counselor, a therapist, good luck. They're all booked. They've all got a waiting list. Because our nation is stressed out at so many levels. It's a dark world out there. And so these Christmas lights are an invitation to hope that things could get better. And I know it's not just a dark world out there. I know it's a dark world for many of you. Many of the struggles, the broken relationships that you've gone through, the isolation, the pulling back from loved ones, from family members. Some of you I know are dealing with financial struggles. And January is coming up. Your credit card bill is going to show up. You know that, right? Some of you, your, your finances have absolutely got you stressed out. I know others of you are dealing with health issues. That's a dark place. 
when you're dealing with health issues. And the beautiful thing about Christmas and the Christmas lights is it's an invitation to hope. So I think about that first Christmas when the angels showed up to the shepherds. Lights. And the shepherds were kind of freaked out. They were kind of scared because it was a dark night. And all of a sudden, there was this bright light. And it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. In the midst of the darkness, all of a sudden, there was light. First Christmas light. And I can't help but wonder, the shepherds had this sense, this feeling of hope. And so they hurried to Bethlehem. They raced to Bethlehem. Oh, we got to see what's going on. And as they got there, we, we, we look at this scene of, of what's going on in Bethlehem. Next one. Think to ourselves, ah, it must have been such a glorious night in Bethlehem. But that's not what it looked like when they got there into town. Shepherds show up, and there's Mary and Joseph and this baby crying. It didn't look like this. It looked more like this. A barn. Dirty barn. Probably a cave, somewhere where animals were. Smelled, animal dung all around them. It was dark, it was dirty. And there was this baby, we call it lying in a manger, right? Because we like to clean up the story a little bit. Lying in a manger. That manger is an animal trough. How many of you parents would put your baby in an animal trough? Firstborn. That's where Jesus was born and came into the world. And there he is in this animal trough. And up above this cave, there's a star guiding the shepherds, guiding the people to come and see, to experience what John describes to us in John 1. In him was life. Life was the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's an invitation to hope. We call this the Bethlehem star, this light in the sky, the Bethlehem star. Magi, they were following the star, and this is how Matthew records it. They said, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And the Christmas light, the very first Christmas light, truly invites people to look up to hope and to look to the heavens for better days because they needed better days. We need better days. And so we put lights around our communities to encourage us to have hope and to look up. And have you ever noticed that on top of many Christmas trees, there's a star? We didn't put the star somewhere down below. We put up high as a way to just physically remind ourselves we need to be looking up in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our hardships, in the midst of all the darkness of the world. We need to look up to the heavens, the source of all hope. You know, back on that first Christmas, there was some kind of uh, astrological event. 
There was something going on in the sky, something going on with the stars. And the interesting thing is that people continue to look to the stars. They continue to look up and wonder and ask themselves, what was that star, that Bethlehem star? And people were trying to repeat the first Christmas story of the star in the sky. Nobody has yet. And most scholars today, astronomers, astrologers, as they look at this story, they say, you know, it actually could have been a number of things. That star up in the sky leading and guiding those magi from the east. There have been a lot of things. And most scholars think that it was some kind of a, a, a coming together of the different planets aligning up in the sky. You know, one of the theories, and there's many theories about what was the Bethlehem star. One of the theories is that the star was a, a planet that's called Regulus. And maybe you've heard of Regulus. Uh, it's in the constellation Leo. And on any given night, if you look up at the sky and it's, it's clear outside, you'll see a really bright star as part of this constellation uh, Leo. And there's this really bright star called Regulus. And I love the fact that it's part of a lion, the constellation of Leo, the lion. We look at this star and they think maybe Regulus had something to do with the Bethlehem star. Maybe Regulus was part of the, the equation that led those magi 500 to 1,500 miles to the west towards Bethlehem. And I think one of the things that's really interesting about Regulus is not just that it's so bright in the sky, but that it's how far away it is from planet Earth. Regulus is 77 light years away from planet Earth. That's a long ways. Most of us, we hear that 77 uh, light years away. What exactly does that mean? And frankly, what does it have to do with me? Great astronomy lesson, Pastor. What does that have to do with me? What does it have to do with Christmas? Why are you telling us about this? Well, keep in mind, the speed of light travels at 186,000 miles a second. That means if we were to light a candle, in one second it would go around the earth seven times. That's how fast light travels. Light's pretty fast, right? Light travels in some of the teenagers' drive, right? I mean, it, it really moves. Let me give you another comparison to kind of help you think a little bit about the speed of light. We are about 93 million miles from the sun. And it takes eight minutes for the light of the sun to reach us here on planet Earth. Eight minutes. When you go outside, feel the sun. When you see the sun, when you experience the sun, it left the sun eight minutes ago. It's quite a while, right? Regulus, the light from Regulus took 77 years to get to planet Earth. Think about that. By the time those magi saw the light, the light that had left the planet Regulus, it, it started out 77 years earlier. So as they're looking up in the sky, that light took 77 years to get there. So if you were to go out and look at Regulus tonight, if it's a clear night, the light from Regulus began what you're looking at tonight 
77 years ago. You know what 77 years ago? 1944. Many of us were not even born in 1944, right? In 1944, they were fighting the Battle of the Bulge on Christmas Eve. There was no silent night. There was war in Europe. As I think about 1944, Christmas Eve, the Americans were wondering, how is this war going to turn out? That was 77 years ago. And I love this imagery, this idea that when we look at this, that we look at the star Regulus, that light began 77 years ago at a time when there was so much uncertainty and people didn't know how the world was going to turn out. But we do, right? I mean, we don't know. Most of us don't even remember the Battle of the Bulge or World War II. We have to read about it in history books, which is a great reminder that long before those magi began their journey, God had placed this star in the sky. Long before the angels came to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby. God was planning 77 years before that. Long before Joseph found out that his girlfriend was going to have a baby, that, that star was shining and preparing. Long before you knew about Jesus, God was sending a light. Long before all the days of your life, Long before you started sinning, long before all of your accomplishments, long before anything in your life, God sent a star and put that star in the sky. 77 years from Regulus to remind you that Jesus has come for you. You know, this whole idea of Christmas lights. It's a great reminder that God has had a plan for each one of us long before we thought about Jesus, long before we thought about planning this worship service, long before any of the troubles, any of the struggles in our life. God knew about those plans and those struggles. And I think this is why it matters. The Christmas light has come. It's a great reminder that God is with us, and he invites us to have hope. He invites us to look up. In the early church, uh, there was uh, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Of course, is where Jesus was uh, laid to rest for just a couple days, a borrowed tomb. And in the early church, they knew where the tomb was. And when they would gather together for worship, would gather around that tomb, and in that tomb was a candle. They put a light in there, a lamp. is a reminder, the source of all light for all the world. And they would gather around uh, for worship, and they would go to the tomb, and somebody would go into the tomb, and they would get that light. The tomb of Joseph of Arimathea is a reminder that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And they would take this out, and people in their day would share the light with one another. And then they would sing together the oldest hymn in the church. 
called the Fos Hilaron. Hail gladdening light, glory of the immortal Father, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ. We have come to the setting of the sun, and we looked to the evening light. We sing to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are worthy of being praised with pure voices forever. O Son of God, O giver of life, the universe declares your glory. See, when I talk about Christmas lights, we talk about Christmas lights, we think about a light bulb, right? That's what we think of. For most of human history, when people talked about Christmas lights, they, talked, they, they thought about a flame and how this flame was transferable, how it was transmittable, and how people were invited to share this with others. And this is exactly what the early church would do. They would share the light, one person to the next, until pretty soon the church grew bigger and larger, stronger. And this is really the image of what it means to experience the Christmas lights, to receive the, to, to receive the lights, to look up, to have hope, but then to share the light of Jesus Christ with the world. Because if we just receive the light, if we just enjoy the light, we've missed the point. The point of Christmas, the light of the world, has come to dwell among us. We're to receive this light, and we're to share this light with others so that others may know the light of the world as well. Sixteen years ago, uh, I had an opportunity uh, to travel to Israel. And for a couple of weeks, we got to you know, go around, see the sites, go up to, to Galilee, spend some time in Jerusalem, go to the Dead Sea, all that good stuff. And then on Christmas Eve, we arrived in Bethlehem. And you got to know, um, Christmas in Bethlehem is crazy. It is busy. They have a big parade like you've never seen before, and it's on cobblestone courts. And I remember watching these parade goers go by on Christmas Eve, uh, singing and dancing and making all this music. And, and they're about this close to you because it's, it's, it's real narrow cobblestone streets. It's just one of the most joyous festivals I've ever been a part of. And then 16 years ago on Christmas Eve, we went into the Church of the Nativity, where many people believe was the cave where Jesus was born. As I walked into the Church of the Nativity, they gave me a candle like you got a candle tonight. And then as we went through our worship time together, we sang Silent Night. And I thought this year, as we're celebrating Christmas lights, that we would experience a light from a candle from Bethlehem. So I'm going to light this candle. I haven't lit this candle in 16 years. I almost don't want to light this candle. Because I remember that day like yesterday, what it was like to experience the light of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. 
And so this afternoon, what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and go get, get out your candles. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to do what the early church did. We're going to sing the Fos Hilron. But we're going to sing Silent Night together. And as we do that, we're going to proclaim that Jesus Christ is indeed the light of the world.